And good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Transformation Gold Podcast. I'm your coach and your hostess, Nicole DiVincentis, aka FigureChick911, up on Instagram and YouTube. I thought we could have a little bit more of a... What's it like when you switch from your calling into, I guess, the civilian world, regular world? normal functioning world (laughs) and give you a little bit there's a lot of people here's what's up so I I come from this medical background right and all of my friends most of them do too and as some of them I have people in my network who are older than me same age as me and everybody's at different points when it comes to retirement there's a, a good amount of individuals who believe that their career choice is or was a calling as I know that mine was initially coming from a nursing background and that's where I come from and it's funny because the more I am moving to distance myself from continually bringing that past up the more people are coming forth asking questions about how how did you do that like being in the medical profession, being in first respondership, being a teacher, like this has been my whole entire life. How did, first of all, how did you walk away? Second of all, how are you managing to like, you know, do stuff? Because everything for, this is them speaking, everything about me is like, it's built into my profession. So how have you, have you been able to like separate yourself from that? And I want to be really honest with you and tell you it wasn't simple. It really wasn't. And for me, making that transition out of it, I always begin, I think every conversation saying for me, I never even wanted to be a nurse, which is why I know it was a calling for me because If you would have heard, and no offense like to any of my peers, but in my mind, and this is so, it's true to a fact, but so untrue at the same time. When I was in high school, all right, and I was looking at colleges and what do I want to do with my life, blah, blah, blah. I was on a pre-med track. I was on a pre-med track with the intention of finding the cure for cancer. That's actually where I started out. And I never wanted to be a nurse. I said that nurses are just like waitresses, only instead of passing out cocktails, they pass out medications. And (laughs) I've been both. I've been a waitress and a nurse, and there's actually a lot of parallels between the two. But, and they're both funny, like the the two people that you should never make mad. (laughs) Your nurse and your waitress. (laughs) But anyway, I never wanted to be a nurse. And so I went to school and I went to Loyola University on the north side of Chicago. It's way much more built up there now than it was when I went. But there's this, it's on the lake shore, it's on Lake Michigan. And at the time there was only a bunch of rocks, like gigantic boulders that they had on the actual lake shore to prevent erosion from Lake Michigan. Cause it's, it's like the water is like really aggressive in Lake Michigan. So I would always go and sit on the rocks and that's what we always called it. I'm going to sit on the rocks. And I was sitting there one day, not, 
I just, I don't think I was even really like think. It wasn't like deep thoughts with Nicole DeVincentis. It wasn't even like that. I was just sitting on the rocks, looking at the water. It's one of my favorite places to be. And I swear to you, this is literally what happened. I was sitting there and it wasn't like I heard a voice, but it was something had spoke to me and I stood up and it was like an anvil on the moment or anvil on the head moment and I stood up and I said I'm going to be a nurse and I walked straight over to the nursing school filled out an application and that was that but I'm telling you I know it was a calling because number one I was so averse to becoming a nurse I mean my whole entire family when I was saying like I'm going to be going to medical school blah 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 all of them because remember where I come from I come from Italian family first of all women didn't go to college second of all women all got married all had babies like I was violating like every single tradition that could possibly happen in the family and every one of them said why don't you just be a nurse to which I was like no I no I don't want to be a nurse like I never ever 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 wanted never wanted to be a nurse never so that moment that happened for me were literally out of the blue it was like I'm gonna be a nurse I know with a hundred percent certainty whether or not you believe in God it has no relevance for me I do I believe that that was him just like girl there you go and so I got placed or placed myself on that track and got into it and I actually and I believe it was because of where I worked I loved it I I loved maybe not so much just being a nurse I wasn't I I wasn't the type of nurse I'm an ear nurse let me put it to you that way okay so I'm the type of nurse like I like rapid rapid assessment rapid treatment I'm not the let me hold your hand and that's real I'm caring but I I don't like to have a lot of that mush um, I started out in cardiology and we had uh, at our hospital we had very sick people <clears throat> excuse me, and everybody on our unit had advanced cardiac disease, like advanced heart failure. And so they were always, they were either waiting for a heart transplant or they weren't candidates for a heart transplant because they were either too old or they had too many other what we call comorbidities or associated diseases that disqualified them from receiving a heart. So these people were always, always, always admitted to our unit. Is a lot of them were not compliant with their medications. They were not compliant with the diet restrictions. And they were just, I mean, they didn't take care of themselves. So we got to know them and we got to know their families. And when one of them died, as they frequently did, it was devastating because you had emotional investment in these people and in their families. And for me, I couldn't take that much emotional tie-in to the people that I was taking. Like, it was just too much for me. And so I, I also knew that I wanted to do ER. So however long I was in cardiology, I think it was probably around 18 months, is where I got really great experience 
my manager actually knew. She pulled me in her office, I think, after three months of hire. And she gave me a magazine from the Emergency Nurses Association, which I didn't even know there was such a thing. And she said every nurse should belong to a professional association, Nicole, and this one is yours. And so, like, I had the right teachers in front of me. I had the right talent scouts in front of me. I was in the correct place. All right. And be advised, like I made sure that I was at that place when I graduated school, they were not hiring nurses. So what I did was I had worked as a student on that cardiology floor. And so I basically called, I stalked that manager like every single day and called her to find out if there was a job. I know it sounds so weird because nurses are in such shortage right now, but this was like the beginning of true like business infiltration into healthcare. And so the very first place that every, you know, every hospital was looking to cut when it came to expenses was the largest expense, which was nurses. And so, I mean, there was like layoffs happening all over the place. So there was no job. So anyway, I finally get hired on. It was 18, I think, very short months after I got rock solid experience, you know, experience as a charge nurse, went down to the emergency room and then, you know, began like working like a maniac so that I could eventually become a flight nurse. Now, I didn't even know that flight nursing was a thing when I first walked over to the nursing school. So I'm telling you, like, I know that it was a calling and there was a lot of really, I'm a total grower and I love development. I love developing gifts. I love learning and like maximizing your gifts to like the, the, the highest potential that you possibly can. So for me, at that stage in my life, that was completely the right place for me to be. And I was 100% operating in my gifts. And I've said this before, money was never the leading driver. I, I, now, making that transition, I'm going to give you a little bit of the backstory so that you understand then the, the amount of thought that I went into that went into my decision in leaving this industry because I mean straight up nothing about me even though I love ER and I love the fast pace of it there is nothing about me that's reactive or cowboy or I guess cowgirl-esque I'm a very 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 intentional person and I'm very adaptive and very fluid and very very nimble in making order of ultimate chaos like I'm great at all that stuff but the one thing that I don't do is pull a cord on my fate like (laughs) and make cowboy like willy-nilly decisions I don't All right. So leading up to this, you know, I said like money was never a driving force for me going into nursing. It just, I, it was very, it was very cerebral. Like I, I love the human body and I wanted to learn about it, but then it was sheer passion. Just, I, I love making, I love the discovery aspect to figure out what's wrong with people. And I love being able to do stuff to actually make them better. And also it helps their families. Like I like seeing people happy rather than seeing them sad all the time. And so even though emergency and trauma nursing, you're in people's lives at the worst possible moment, we're in there because we, we like to fix stuff. Like 
We give us the worst, bloodiest, like, we love it. Like, we just go in there and, like, make shit happen. That's how we are. We are, like, people of action. I think the right ear nurses are. And that's, that totally, like, rang true and rings true with me as an instrument. That's, that's how I am. That's actually... I think how I learned to be a very good communicator in a lot of ways. It taught me how to ask the right question and question very clearly. Like in ER, we don't have a lot of time to, you know, so, so and so. Like it's not that. It is just, (laughs) it's very black and white. It's very, we're under a time constraint because guess what? There are people who are dying. But that's how it is. And I knew that as a nurse, I was going to be making more money than what I was making working as a waitress. But I never gave any thought to how much hourly I was earning or nothing. Part of it was out of ignorance. But for the most part, it really, it wasn't even a thing for me. As I get like went along on my professional path, and started learning about raises and was paying attention to things on my paycheck, you know, the taxes that were being taken out and stuff. And then speaking with some of my preceptors or my mentors, I started learning more about the money aspect of it, but it still, it didn't drive me. That was never the leading force. I expected compensation for the work that I did, However, it wasn't like I'm going to dial back my nursing care because I don't feel that I'm being compensated appropriately. I I believe at the time where we were that compensation was fair. And then as we acquired more skill and licensures and certifications and responsibilities, then the pay scale went up and there was always some sort of extra financial bonus, if you would, that went in there until you maxed it out. And then I did further exploration and was learning about how raises were handed out. And I don't know if it's changed since then, but I learned that if one nurse gets a higher raise, that means that another nurse has to get a lower raise because there's only so much budgeted for raises. And I did not like that. That... (laughs) This was when it started, like the little, you know, fingers of, of finance really started to enter my brain as though something is not right here because you're telling me that I can't get a high mark on my evaluation because then that would mean I would have to receive more money. But in order for that to happen, then another nurse would actually have to get less whether or not he or she actually deserved that or vice versa. And I didn't, I didn't like, I realized that that was the way that it was, but I didn't agree with it. I felt, you know what, if you have a rock star, they should be compensated. And if you don't, if you don't produce, you don't perform, you suck as a nurse. Like you shouldn't be, you shouldn't work there, but you shouldn't have the same compensation as somebody who's like running circles around you and can clearly outproduce you. Like, so, so for me, I, I didn't like that aspect of it, but you know, time went along. I worked like a mother. I picked up just like an insane amount of hours. I was flip-flopping days and nights. I mean, every part of me, I ate slept, breathed, like lived, 
it's not just nursing, but care of people, like physiologic mastery and care of people. And it was even more so when I started teaching. You know, the end goal clinically was for me to become a flight nurse, but then once you teach, you're responsible for knowing the answers to questions that you don't even know if your students are ever even going to ask. So then like you multiply your knowledge base tenfold because of you have to be in the position to be able to answer the questions when they open page 57 on the book and they ask you that question like, well, right here it says blah, 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 blah. They're looking to you <laughs> to be able to give them the truth, not just so that they could do right on the exam, but so they can do right in terms of caring for patients. So what I'm here to say is like, it, it became like my whole entire world. It really did. I didn't think that being a nurse necessarily defined me because I, I didn't feel like I ever wanted to just be in the box and I never considered myself this, this just being a nurse because I studied to be the best practitioner regardless of licensure. So I was, I am still, I hold my licenses as a nurse, but I never just viewed myself as such, even though I was practicing as such. And then, you know, as I went up the chain and then became a flight nurse, you have so much more authority to make very high level executive decisions that involve the person who's in front of you and your partner. Do you know what, like usually in our, in our role, that final say so fell on the shoulders of the nurse. And I mean, that could have been anything from putting chest tubes in to, you know, breathing tubes or whether or not you're going to transport a pregnant lady because she may or may not go into labor while you're in, I mean, there's like a lot that goes into it, but still finance wasn't the leader, but when you're operating in your calling, okay, I believe that what happens, let's get back to the point that ha the, at hand here, talking about that transition out of your calling, is that you're able to, I believe, endure just immense, immense amount of shit. And for a nurse, it's literal and figurative, right? Like, you just like, there's stuff that you see as a nurse that you, you literally cannot make up. And they certainly don't ever tell you about a nurse in school because it probably would cause like half of the people in the room to just like, it would cause mass exodus of, of the nursing students. Like how, how, just how, okay? Like there's like, you know, pubic crabs jumping out of people's, you know, JJs. I mean, there's like all kinds, you wouldn't even believe half of the stuff. Like it's like nasty sometimes. And then, you know, you're not always treated nicely because you're dealing with sick people who don't feel good. So they tend to be rude. But a lot of times, just like the inter, inter workings, the dynamics of, of peers or even uh, if you're dealing with administration and, you know, like I, my experience is being a nurse in multiple organizations. All right. It just, I didn't like it after a while. And for me personally, the other aspect of, of leaving my calling was 
I knew as I was walking into the nursing school that I, this is how I word it. Nursing was never meant to be a long-term strategy for me. It wasn't like I made a bargain with God and was like, okay, well, I'll go be a nurse because you told me that I should do this and I'm only going to do this for 10 years. It wasn't like that. I didn't have a set timeline per se, but something inside of me knew that I wasn't going to do it forever. It, It was just like, okay, grass is green. Like, you know it. It's just a fact. You don't spend time worrying about it. It's the same thing. Nursing was never meant to be a long term strategy for me. Never. And so, again, I didn't know what the next thing was. I can tell you with full clarity that I had expectation that somewhere along my journey as a nurse, I would be married and have a family. That was an expectation of mine, and that has not come to fruition. So I will tell you, when I was making changes, it wasn't only leaving my profession there was a lot of breakdown and disappointment and coming to grips with things and grieving if you would that happened in that transition it wasn't merely professional there was a lot of stuff on the personal end so when I you know cut those final strings I can only say my perspective of it as a single woman where that that key thing of having a family of my own it, it was like I lived in this calling and for me it, it was like a grieving it is it is a grieving process there was so much anger that like what the hell I mean I had fun when I was in there don't get me wrong I, I know that I worked the all the hours that I take full responsibility for the choices that I made while I was working in my calling and while I was operating in my gifts. And the one thing you can never get back is time. And so it was painful to see. And as time was going along, so from start to finish, let's call my nursing career, let's call it a 20 year run, okay? I didn't know what I was gonna do next. I knew that whatever it was, I wanted to have more say-so in how I was going to be earning money and I wanted it to be more, I, I, don't, I probably like commission-based or compensated more fairly for the amount of shit that I would take on in the next endeavor. Okay, so that if I was high level producer, I would be compensated in that capacity without having to worry about safety things like being attacked by your patient or the family or needle sticks or all that other occupational hazard that goes along with, you know, operating as a nurse in healthcare. Okay, so that was that was that. But when I was getting ready to make those transitions, like there was a lot of stuff that I'm a trend watcher and so I was watching trends and one of the biggest trends for me that I was noticing was the the safety factor that the place where I was at and again this was pre 9-11 so after 9-11 things in terms of like disaster preparedness changed in a lot of I, I think very positive ways and we're still not where we need to be yet but those of us who work in emergency capacity 
the very first line that we train on is safety. Safety is always first. And if it's not safe for you to approach a patient or enter an environment, like you don't go in there until it is safe. Now, sometimes you're, you're, you're part of the safety response. Like if you, you have a combative, you know, patient who's, you know, tripped up on PCP, like you're in, like you have to give them medication because they're violent. They have superhuman strength. They're a danger to themselves. They're a danger to everybody else who comes into their pathway. And so basically you like, you assume responsibility for them and then you put them, you know, to sleep, you give them sedation. And then once they start to wake up, then, you know, you have different conversations with them, but it's a, it's like a whole thing. But what I'm saying to you is that I noticed safety trends that were not being honored and I brought them up. I brought them into the forefront. And the first time that I did that, I did it in a formal letter and I had sent, it was a very professional written letter. I didn't, you know, just use my people compare ER nurses to woodpeckers like we're 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 the birds that you know we you know pound holes in trees using our face knife like this it wasn't like that it was a very professional written letter and I I presented these gigantic safety holes which happened after a situation in our emergency room and what happened was I I was chastised for not following a chain of command and my orientation as a flight nurse was terminated and I swear to you I cried for 24 literally 24 hours after that because I worked my ass off in order to be invited into that program and it was devastating for me so that was the first time then there were serial things that happened after that at the hospital that I was working at but then also I was working contract work at other emergency rooms and the safety gaps that they had were so huge and I wanted to find out like are they just that like ignorant do they really not know but then when you speak with them the trend that I was hearing was we're just so grateful that nothing happened and uh, Okay, so now we, it's not a case of ignorance. We just have refusal to tend to like trends in society here. And so it, it got worse and worse. Like, so the safety thing, ultimately, I can tell you with clear eyes, that was ultimately the reason for my final and like complete departure from that profession because there was so many gaps and refusals to... nurses you you're in compromised positions all the time like you're trying to bend over people to put in IVs you know sometimes you have no choice your back is to people like you're in very vulnerable positions and there is one thing that I I do not tolerate and it's it's lack of protection when you know better and nurses have I believe so much on their plate and for when you're working with people like there's always going to be a chance that something will happen to you but you want to take every possible step to prevent a situation from happening that it it just no we're not doing this anymore and 
ultimately for me, that's why I decided to leave. Now, getting up to that point, I had made transitions into education and actually started an adoption process while I was working in an educational role. Now, when you're adopting through an agency, you raise money, if you would, not to pay you have to like it goes through this legal process so it doesn't look like you're paying for a baby per se but you you know you're raising this money so my family actually started my sister started raising money for me and I was in that planning stage of all right logistically how am I going to do this because I don't have I don't have a team. Where I was living at the time, I was far enough away from my family where if I needed help, logistically, even though I know that they would want to have been there for me, it wasn't going to work. It just, it, it wasn't going to work. Everybody was like over diversified and split for their own time with their, it was just, it, I'm great at, I know what the, what you, what's viable and it's not, it wasn't going to work. So I didn't have any team. So I was trying to figure out like my numbers. Okay. So if I can work these days, I'm going to be gone for these hours. All right. My next step now is to network and figure out like where, how am I going to have the kid, you know, involved in this and this and that. And what happened was that place where I was involved with education, it was, there was so much volatility in there that it, I, I didn't stay. I was fed up, just like beyond fed up and just decided, no, I, I am not bringing a baby into my world when I am like this, just like annoyed all the time. I'm not doing this. So I transitioned out of there, went to an outpatient clinic, that was probably one of the most ridiculous places I had ever been, not because the people that I worked with, but again, it had to do with kind of like a corporate thing and, and refusal like for safety standards. And I was doing work that I wasn't being compensated for. There was no supervisor there or the responsibility like felt on, fell on my shoulder. Like it was just, it was that situation where you're like, you know what, this is this is freaking bullshit. Like I, I have had it. I have freaking had it. Like I'm, I'm done with this, this whole entire thing. And I was actually making less money in that job with all those years of experience, <laughs> even as a flight nurse, I was making less money in that job than I was like a year out of nursing school. So it was like this big giant slap in the face. And I thought, you know what, this is just plain out wrong. Like, so my tolerance for these things started to become like <laughs> non-existent. Much like when you're working through a relationship, have you ever been in a relationship like that where you take a lot of shit and then all then one day you're just like, you know what, F this. You have your F this moment and that, that was me. So I actually quit that job and that is not normal Nikki procedure at all. I'm the make sure like the ducks are in a row, make sure that there's some sort of a transition plan in place. Like it's very, like you give your two week notice, like you don't just freaking quit. And I totally did. And 
I took a couple nursing gigs part-time because of cash. Cash, uh, an absence of cash flow. (laughs) And every time I took it, it reminded me why I left. And it was always like, you know what, maybe this time it'll be different. Maybe this time it'll be different. And it wasn't. It was worse. And I think that's part of it. So that's the, the other difference in me leaving my calling was that even though I went into it knowing that I wasn't going to do it forever, again, when you are in love with something, you don't expect it to just like suddenly like you don't want to be around it anymore. But I can, my only experience with it is like it was clear that that was, that was just like this time like and the time had come to a close and there was this whole other middle part that happened while I was putting different businesses on the market if you would and there was a lot of breaking down that happened um, obviously financially when you go from working overtime and stuff as a nurse to not like there was that but there was there was a lot of I would call it healing that happened in that middle section there that it had a lot to do with relationships and so what I found like things were just so completely like disjointed so for me to transition out of my calling it wasn't just me leaving that profession or that job or even that line of work it was the same level of shit that I think is accepted by not all nurses but by a lot and the profession at large painted my relationships on the personal front as well and as I was working through that junk it like it was like the same threads were popping up in both areas and I could see the places where I had allowed like gross mistreatment and questioning questioning myself in a lot of different places and so all I can tell you is that I made the decision to just like pull the cord on that whole aspect and just start from ground zero but what happened was like a reversal and like backwards I guess you could call it healing that happened in my heart and I really don't want to get into like you know all that but it was you know everybody gets damaged along the path of their life and there's always a lot of forgiving that you have to do and sometimes what was weird was that the people that I had resentments for that I hadn't thought about in years and years and years they suddenly popped up like physically in front of me and apologized like it was so weird like all within like three weeks of one another it was it, it but it was so it was unexpected and it was it was really like it caught me off guard very appreciated and That was part of my unraveling out of that calling, if you would. And now things are completely different, but 
it's like you have this clean slate and I knew what I wanted to have in my life relationship wise and monetarily and what I would do with the money like my plans to make it work for me rather than just for it to like finance where I'm living and you know buying groceries and stuff like that there's much more strategy behind the money aspect of things but then there's this gap between okay girl well you're starting like you're not even starting from zero you're starting in the hole so if I have salespeople on this like you're in the hole okay you got to like get up to zero first and then you can talk about you know what you're going to be doing so for me having that that comparison of having a network having a well-defined career path having the right things on my resume all of that stuff makes that income opportunity as a nurse very simple. And I, I, there would never be a time that I would ever be shy of work or wanting for work. So that calling, what I'm saying to you was there was a lot of simple, if you would, financial reward associated with it because of where I worked and the, the level of provider and leader that I developed myself into and allowed myself to be mentored into, if that makes sense, all right? So the two were together. Now, when you remove the financial compensation aspect of it, it doesn't change who you are as a, as a provider, as a leader, but you when you're transitioning out of it the other I, here's what i how what i found is i was so heavily niched like nobody knows what it means to be a flight nurse and they don't know the level of responsibility and they don't know the level of decision making just like they don't fully grasp what those things mean when you're a charge nurse in an emergency room they only have a very limited view perhaps of what they see on television or whatever. So when you're trying to then transition out, and this was my experience, like applying for a job, it became really painful for me because I would spend a lot of time reconfiguring my resume because you have to account for years of your life. So my first round of resumes, I had the nursing thing on there, and and again, this was before, you know the economy was pretty shitty at the time. Nobody was hiring either. So, but even in a sales job, nobody would look at me. They're like, you don't have any sales experience. This is stupid. So, I took the nursing thing off and then made it more of like an experience resume, if you would, and put down. But I didn't have metrics. So I didn't have, you know, what are my numbers? Did I hit targets consistently? What's my experience managing a pipeline? Like, what, <laughs> what's my prospecting? How many calls did I handle? I have those fundamental skills that are requisite of somebody who's in sales or business development or consultation or coaching even. But I didn't have the, the paper trail associated with it. And in my mind, I, 
me as a coach, I I would want to have somebody in my enterprise, like if the pickings were slim out of people in my industry, but I have somebody who has a skill set that was successful in one area, they could transfer that skill set over to this area and we just have to fill in the voids with the uniqueness of a particular industry, but not everybody thinks that way. And then the other aspect of it was my age is that I made this starting over when I was in my 40s. And so I think, again, the bias is these people aren't going to be around for a long time. Maybe not not like lifespan-wise, but also just like they're only going to be with our, our company for a short period of time because they're going to retire or they're going to have grandkids and there's going to be excuses. But again, I never viewed myself as the average employee. Like I, even at a part-time job, I take on my jobs and the places where I go with the same seriousness, like it's my own business. That's how much personal investment I put into every place that I am. So for me to switch out of my calling, it was actually like excruciatingly painful because it wasn't just a, oh, let me go over here and take a new job. It was a full, it was a full life overhaul is really what it was for me. And when you do that and then you look at things like, all right, operationally, where are we on the timeline? Okay, all right, you can't have kids. You've not been married. Chances are like, it doesn't look really positive for you. You know, you've got, you know, your family's, you know, trying to set you up and, and they're giving you a lot of, you know, you, you really need to be getting married. Like you, you never get away from this. Like it was excruciatingly painful. And I had to do a lot of communicating with people in terms of, I never told anybody like everything that went into things, people only understood like small portions of it. And as I was making that transition, again, for me, I make transition after I've already invested a good amount of time in an endeavor. Like I'm not just like jumping around like a, a pawn on a, on a game board. Like I don't do things like that. By the time people see what I'm doing, I usually already have at least six months invested into any given project or endeavor. So by the time I actually make a move, it seems like it's sudden, but what people don't realize is that I've already been working behind the scenes, setting things up so that when I move, I can make a direct move. It's not like, oh, let me kind of just like pull the gentle edge of the Band-Aid off. I'm able to make that, that transference of rip the Band-Aid off. Does that make sense? I'd, my family was very, very worried. And obviously they were worried about, you know, my financial future, immediate and long term in making a career decision to leave a 20 year investment and develop network and career. But again, for me, it was like the calling was finished. So then what do you do? How do you change then when you're looking for a job and now you're not being pulled by your heart and it's not so much how, how can I, 
it, the passion wasn't there. I can just tell you that for anything. And I know like you're responsible for driving passion on your own, but I'm telling you it, it wasn't, it wasn't there to, to go into anybody else's organization. And I thought, okay, you know what, let me work on becoming passionate about making a lot of money. And when I did that, I got myself all excited. The pain point for me was all of these places, <laughs> they're all sales, they're all sales rooms. And for me, I do not want to return to a boys club. These are the things that I really thought. These are the, the reasons why I made decisions as I did, because I'm telling you, when I closed that door with nursing, there was a lot and did that whole revamp of my life. I, there was a lot of promises that I made to myself and to be treated the way that I allowed professionally and personally. I made a vow. I would I'm not tolerating that anymore. And to ha- to be involved either as a target or around conversations that and please don't misunderstand me. I'm not one to push like a sexual harassment button like I just don't ever push that. I know that I have a very high tolerance for a lot of stuff. I know I have a lot of guys who are my friends, but if you would have known like the level of conversation, I I can't even, I, I just can't, I'm not doing that anymore. And I know that it exists in a lot of the sales floors where the amount and and like the the commission and and compensation plans were in alignment with my financial goals i know that it happens there i could not and would not pull the trigger to go apply for any of those jobs i just wouldn't do it and obviously (laughs) that doesn't have a very simple or a very comforting outcome because then like you're you're like drawing the line through different opportunities. Well, I'm not gonna do this because of this, and I'm not gonna do this because of that. Well, what the hell else am I supposed to do? And I found myself continually stepping back and just having conversations with God, like, did I make a mistake? Was I not supposed to leave my calling? Was I honestly supposed to stay there? And so then I would go back and I would apply for another job and one of the last ones that I applied for was a traveling contract where I was going to be making a shitload of money. Freaking, and the way that we were going to structure it, it was going to be 98% tax free. It was like insane. It was insane amount of money. Like I wouldn't have to work for the year. I'm honest to God. And I could live comfortably. I'd be able to like seriously, like it was insane, which is actually a red flag in nursing because I did a little bit of research then as I was sending in my paperwork to this agency and I learned, um, I know people in the profession and I learned the difference between what the actual, what we call nurse-patient ratios are and what um, they were advertising them to be. So it became a safety issue again. And every single piece of paper that I was turning into this agency Like I was getting headaches, 
Um, I was like clenching my jaw. I started having crying spells and I knew I, 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 I can't go back there anymore. But now what? Now what? You know, how much more, how much more can I possibly sacrifice? That was my question. And for me, again, it was still like largely painful because there was so much breaking down which was happening at the same time in addition to finance like when you are like short on money and like you don't have food shit gets real real fast and the other thing that happened was that because I am a very educated woman and never was short for money when I would, I, let me take that back. Before I started cutting back on how much time I was willing to put into my, my salary job as a nurse, I should say that, be very specific about it, is that I wasn't short on money because I would just work more. And people didn't take me seriously. <laughs> like, I needed help and I, when you become very poor and you don't have food, for me, it was very, it was obviously like very stressful and you lose that creative thought if you would. And I couldn't even think like, how am I even going to make money? And so when I would go to people, I didn't, I only asked for money from one person. I, I asked to borrow a hundred bucks from my brother Carl that was it um, and that was because I was waiting to be paid on an invoice from for some work that I had done that I didn't get paid on and um, that was pretty much it I never I don't think I asked and then one oh you know what I take that back there was one other time there was a delay in payment from an invoice that I had received and so I asked for a cash advance from my mom and she gave that to me and then obviously I paid the both of them back like as soon as I got that money and that was fine but barring that I never asked for money but I would I wanted to have a sit-down conversation with somebody to because I knew I was like out of my league like I was out of my mind I couldn't even like I couldn't see above the water so for me to be transitioning out of my calling I can't tell you what it was like as a soul entity because mine was full frontal attack, if you would. I placed myself in that spot. Like, there is no way I'm not going to be claiming victim by any stretch of the imagination because it was all, I was, I made those choices, all right? And I want everybody to know, like, whatever you're doing, you're responsible 100%. I own that. I never asked for public assistance. I never asked for anything because I knew that I didn't deserve it. It was me. I wasn't producing. That was my. That was where I was coming from. But when you get that low, admittedly, like you lose your resourcefulness and your your innovation. At least I do. If I'm only eating once, like every 48 hours, and <laughs> so. <laughs> it was it honest to God, like for me, it's not just a well, it was like this transitioning out of the calling. It was it was everything that was happening. 
and I, I wouldn't regret it. I don't regret it because the amount of time that I got to spend just one-on-one getting to know God and going back and correcting and the, the amount of healing and forgiveness which occurred during probably like a five-year time, even though it was like the worst five years of my entire life, I wouldn't change it for the world because now in a rebuild phase, there's really not a lot that phases me. Does that make sense? Like, you're just like, like, okay, it's not as bad as it was then. So when you're facing storms and you know that you have overcome challenges before, like, what's the worst challenge that you've had before? Oh, it was then. Oh, my God. Was it going to be that bad this time? No, it's actually not going to be that bad this time because you prepared for it. You learned a lesson. You put different things into place so that you would that wouldn't happen to you again, right? So there's growth that happens. So then it comes with that clear lens of, okay, now what am I going to do? I'm not in my calling. And now when I go to apply for a job or even build a business, like for me, I'm... I'm all about goals. All right, so what's the leading goal? What is it that you're setting out to do? And this has been truth for me. Like, I honestly, I'm not attached to how I make the money. I merely want to make money. That's it. That's my goal is money. That's what it is. And having passed through those five years, I did a lot of work with God on getting right on my money talk and learning what God really says about money so that any issues that I had in the past about receiving, about um, dirty money, if you would, or it's easier for what's that, a camel to get through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get into heaven. Like all of this stuff that I was raised on that was programmed into my mind, I had to reverse that and I had to get right on my money talk because I knew this next phase starting over as a 40 something year old you have to be honest like you're looking at the time clock like how much time do I actually have to make a good amount of money and put it to work for me in the way that I want to and then be able to help other people in the way and at the level that I want to right? So it's all about, you know, you're setting your goals and strategic planning and you're looking up close and you're taking steps back. It's everything that we talk about in this podcast, only it's just you're starting over. Well, I'm telling you for me now, getting in on this, like you're leaving your, your calling, what's that like? For me, because this is the only thing that I can say, there was so much loss, loss of time, loss of experience like you you never get time back or moments in time back and when I look back through the course of my nursing career and I look at all the Christmases that I actually worked most of them I didn't feel that I deserved to have them off because there were people that I worked with who had young families and I wanted them to be able to be together on Christmas morning because I know what it's like 
to wake up on Christmas morning when a key person in your family isn't there. So I, I made sure that I always worked Christmas Day so that the people with families could have their time together. And it was the like, and then, you know, you get paid more money. So there was, you know, there was compensation there. But how many New Year's do you spend by yourself? You know, like every single fucking one of them, every birthday, every Valentine's Day, everything and every vacation. Like I had as people were getting married and people were going in different directions and I was continuing to grow. It was like I didn't have anything in common with a lot of the men who were around me because they they weren't as big of a grower as I was. Which is part of, that's part of my design and that's part of my gift. And I will tell you, like, starting over, you have a lot of time on your hands to, like, look back and make some key points. What am I going to do? What am I not going to do again? You know, where's the wisdom there? And you look at, and for me, just maybe as a woman, I don't know if men go through this or not, but how disappointing it is to have lost all that and I really questioned whether or not I made a mistake was that whole thing did I just mess up my life and now being out and having several years pass by and having the opportunity to get my feet wet in different aspects of business of building a business and putting it on a market which has you know, evolved into coaching, which is now moving into more of a consultative fashion, you know, I learned a lot that what I really love to do is not just develop people. I really love business development. I love it. And I love the development of the owner or the people inside of it. And I love the actual business development of it as well. And so just this week, that was a realization for me, but I was questioning whether or not I was operating in my gift. And tonight at work, one of my beautiful customers came in and we just got to talking and it actually happens that she also is a nurse and she asked what, you know, do I work there full time, this or that. I quickly told her the story and I said, this is where I landed. This is what I've discovered. And I never said the words using or operating in my gift. She did. She said, you need to keep going. She said, because you are operating in your gift. And I almost fell over, like, for real. And, you know, we both, like, our our nursing eyes both welled up with tears. And it was such a, she called it a divine moment. And I truly believe that that's what what it is. That you can trust that when the time comes for you to zip up the calling that you were operating in, God has something else in store for you. I can tell you that with 100% certainty. So wherever you are, whether you're in the middle, whether you're on a brand new track, whether you haven't you know, taken the plunge yet, remain forward focused, remain tight with God, and just know that the next thing will be revealed to you. You just have to hang in there. I promise you. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Make it a great night. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.